This is Designing the Revolution, Chapter 30, The Constitution, Part 1. Okay, so dare I say it, we're reaching the apex, the peak, as it were, of this long series on uh, Designing the Revolution. I'm going to do two sessions, I think, on the Constitution, and that's formally it. Um, we've breached a revolution, we've created a new constitution and what have you. I'm going to do a conclusion session and then I had the bright idea that we'd do a question and answer session. So make a note of this please. Um, you're warmly invited to come and tell me why it was all rubbish on the 14th of January uh, next year at 4pm UK time. So that's the 14th of January, 4pm uh, UK time, and it's your chance to ask, ask any questions you like, of course, uh, give some feedback, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then that will be it, except it won't quite be it because I'm going to do a few add-ons during January on the broader issues around how to deal with humanity's um, trickiness, as you might say. Um, and... What I'm trying to do is, is create this idea that this series is not, you know, it's not the final objective statement on how to have a revolution and all the rest of it. Uh, these add-on add chapters will be, but what about this? So there's an open-endedness open to it, I suppose. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do some interviews and various other things with other people. So it'll all be carrying on in one way or another. Okay, so let's um, deal with this constitution business. So I suppose, I suppose it's worth saying that a lot of people find constitutions boring, or at least at least constitutions have been boring, you know, in the Western world for the last 30 years because the idea this capitalist realist idea that the system's set, you can't change it, there's no point thinking about grand visions, no point thinking about big constitutions, you know, we can just moan about things, have the odd reform. And as you know, what we've been saying during this series is no, that's, that, that period is over, we're entering into this massive period of social disruption because of climate collapse and social um, confrontations and what have you. Okay, and what I want to suggest to you is that actually constitutions are massively emotional subjects, at least historically, and they will be in the future. You just need to think about, in UK history, the Chartists, you know, uh, working men getting the vote, uh, obviously the suffragettes, women getting the vote, obviously civil rights movements uh, getting constitutional um, support for... Um, people of colour and um, gay people and various other groups in society. So <clears throat> there's a long tradition really of people going, actually, we want this constitution, not that constitution. And in a way, it's not difficult to see why it can, why it, why it often becomes a mass movement subject or uh, an area of massive social confrontation is because really what a constitution is, is is who gets to decide and that's the first question of politics it's the first question of power who gets to decide 
on subjects that affect everyone. Um, okay. So the big revolutionary episodes, the big social movements of the last 200 years since the French Revolution have in the main been dealing with representation. You know, who gets into the uh, inter-parliament to make decisions. Um, the big idea of the 21st century uh, is my argument is the big idea of the 21st century is not representation, it's deliberation. In other words, it's shifting the focus of democratic design away from representation. You just get people, you know, just vote for people and people will make good decisions to know the quality of decisions is a function of deliberation. Sure, representation is still important, obviously. And the reason for this is because the issues of power and class, while still massively important, now have to deal with a third problem, which is the problem of risk. In other words, how you deal with things that are coming down, down the line, climate, technology, uh, ecological uh, challenges. These things where you need to think clearly and deliberatively to actually come up with something intelligent. And you can see this with the climate crisis that no one's got it, the interest or the time to think about it in a clear ethical way. And so you've got the public passing on to politicians, politicians passing on to corporations, and these three different groups are in this sort of herding space going towards the cliff because no one's actually sitting down with executive power going, actually, we're going to think about this without all these special interests uh, influencing our decision. Okay, so... What does this mean in terms of an institution? Um, what I'm going to suggest in the next two episodes is we're looking at a constitution that gives executive legal power to citizens' assemblies to make decisions. That's the front headline point of the, these episodes. Now, let's just think a little bit about the transition here. In the last episode or two, we were going, okay, you have the revolution, but the most stupid mistake people make is to think the revolution is the revolution. No, it's not, because the bad guys are going to come back. You've got international capital. You've got people with heightened expectations, all the rest of it. So you've got this messiness, intrinsic messiness of transition. It's very difficult to say exactly what should or shouldn't happen because it's going to be a sort of tactical decision made at the time. However, we can sort of identify broad pathways of transition. The first one, of course, is, is the revolution happens and a new, a new constitution comes in almost immediately because it's already being worked out by the political party social movement complex. In other words, there's already been massive discussion about it. There's been assemblies about it. There's been a big collective intelligence process within the civic space so that at the point of the revolution, it's already there. It's ready to go and off it goes. Now, it's quite a simple model, but, you know, it's there. Probably a more realistic model is, is 
people come to power, this revolutionary episode, there's a House of Citizens we talked about last time. This is an uh, ongoing Citizens' Assembly selected by sortition, by chance from the population. They're looking at particular issues. They overcome the Parliament or the Parliament becomes a dignified part of the Constitution, meaning it's just there, it's not that important anymore. And then the, the House of Citizens creates, uh, let's say, six-month, one-year period where a citizens' assembly is created specifically for the purpose of creating a citizens' assembly, an assembly constitution. And what we're going to look at in part two is what that could look like. Um, so that's a third way, of, a second way of doing it. A third way, which is sort of related, is there's a halfway house. So there's proportional representation assembly, which is, you know, voted in. And then in some sort of uneasy relationship with it is the citizens' assemblies, which have legal power. And there's various, you know, there's various designs between that citizen, citizens' assembly being over, able to overrule the parliament, the proportional representation, party-based parliament, or vice versa. And my prediction is, for what it's worth, is you're going to get this, you know, this messiness going on through a period of time. In other words, there's going to be stages, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be forward movements. But the general direction of travel as far as this big meta move in the 21st century is concerned is to move towards a citizens' assembly-based constitution. Um, so there we are, you know, that's broadly what we're looking at. And there's going to be these four elements present, um, the, the assemblies, the political party, the cultural stuff, the direct action. And these are going to be the, the social forces, uh, the social formations that push through this process. Okay. All right, so let's look at the Constitution. The Constitution, as we've just said, is fundamental to the revolutionary project. It's fundamental but it's not sufficient, let's be clear, right? There's always going to be the necessity to create like cultural and spiritual development and which creates this zeitgeist of cooperation, of coming together in the face of the climate emergency and all the rest of it. So I'm not a constitutional reductionist, as you might say. I'm not one of these guys that's going, eh, let's have the constitution, everything's going fine. But at, but at the same time, I'm realistic enough, I would suggest to say, in the big complex society, you're going to have to have a constitutional settlement. And the third element, you've got the constitution, you've got the culture, the third element is this this organisation, this um, vanguard organisation with an ethical leadership that is providing guidance and agitation to a certain extent to make sure that this, this, this process towards a constitution is maintained. And obviously, once the constitution's in place, then it's going to need a social movement to support it. So it's not like, you know, game over. There's always going to be political, like the need for political support. All right, so there is an issue in the history of constitutional sort of deliberation, as you might say. There's a continuum. 
between people who say, look, we've got to have a really clear constitution here. It's going to be really well defined. There's going to be, you know, rules for every eventuality. And at the other end, there's going to be what you might call anti-constitutionalists saying, no, we want something really minimal because we need to be super flexible because life's really complex and there's always going to be social developments and we don't want to dampen social creativity and create some inert bureaucratic nightmarish structure. And obviously both sides have got, you know, got their, got their pros and cons. But I suppose in these two episodes, what I'm going to argue is I'm broadly on the side of the constitution people and I think that's where we should be. Uh, and the reason for that, the fundamental reason for this constitutional proposition is that we need to tame power or we need to order conflict. So when we've talked about social movements, we, in a way we've talked about constitutions as well because um, we've said, okay, you need to have a leadership team. They've got executive power. Okay, you have a sortition-based, chance-selected <coughs> chance uh, board above the, above the operational group. And, and then you've got the social movement itself. In other words, you've got clarity about how conflict is dealt with. And, and as you might remember in the first episodes, we dealt in, with quite a lot of length about this in terms of the, 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 the intrinsic weakness and disaster, as you might say, of horizontalism is it has, it creates not just a problem of who, of what decisions to make, it creates a secondary problem of who actually gets to make the decision. And because no one's decided who gets to make the decision, then you have this double chaoticness. There's always going to be conflict about what the decisions should be, but there doesn't have to be conflict over who makes the decision because you've got a constitution, or at least that debate can happen periodically, not all the time. And of course, with horizontalism and this flat structure, you already have people who make decisions, it's just that they're not clear and this creates more bitterness and, you know, confusion and, and all the rest of it that we talked about many times. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, is if, if you have what you might call a constitution light, you've got this perennial problem of the demagogue, you know, someone who over, oversteps rules or manipulates the confusion in the rules to get mass support at least temporarily or initially and then gets rid of the constitution or degrades it and then you have this slide towards you know various forms of authoritarianism and dictatorship and you can see this you know with the conflict between Trump and the American constitution over the last few years is his attempt to sort of degrade it and of course, the problem the American Constitution is very inert, bureaucratic. So you can see this, you can see this, you know, ongoing problem. And I'm not going to pretend to sort it out, right? This is not a utopian revolutionary project where everything's going to get sorted out. What we're trying to do here is make something that's fundamentally better, structurally better than what happened before. Um, okay. So obviously the devil's in the detail, right? You can have constitutions. I'm going to suggest that the constitution, you know, has a 10-year review, let's say, which is in the constitution. So the constitution has to be looked at every 10 years, maybe every 20 years. And obviously 
there's going to be a whole load of experimentation around the world. So you can say, okay, the British, you know, new constitution, that's pretty good, but look at the French one, they've made some innovations and then the Germans come along and they go, actually, this is better and the British learn from the Germans and, you know, the South Africans are doing something spreading around the world. And in other words, you've got this big international conversation, you know, contestation, as you might call it, about what's a good thing, what's not a good thing. And this is a discussion and a debate that's been going on, obviously, in representational assemblies for the last 200 years. And this is good. This is what you want, right? You want to have that confrontation and that um, animation, political animation, because um, otherwise everything just degenerates into inertia. All right. So I'm going to outline, um, I'm going to outline a first iteration constitution. And I'm going to give a fairly clear format to it. So I'm not going to endlessly go, well, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, because it just gets confusing. What I'm going to do is say, this is it. This is the constitution, right? And, you know, I'm going to do a few variations on the theme. I'm going to say, this is it. So it enables you listening to this podcast, watching this uh, video, to go, okay, I agree with that. Not so much about that. Uh, but at least you've got something to get your teeth into. And it's based upon a constitution we did in the Humanity Project in the UK, or at least three or four of us did in, in a room. And it's also based upon a bunch of students at Yale in the US, uh, Yale University, who are doing a PhD programme on constitution. They created a constitution which is purely based upon um, assemblies, uh, citizens' assemblies. Okay, now what's interesting, I can't help saying this, but the one we did in someone's back room, as it were, in London, was I said, okay, we're going to do this constitution, you know, put a gun to your head, how is it going to be? Because you know what people do, they're always going, well, it could be like this, and what about that? I said, I'm not interested in that. What's, what, what, what's the deal? So let's churn it out. So in an hour and a half, dare I say it, we churned out a constitution based upon assemblies. And interestingly, it was actually quite similar to the Yale one, which says to me that all around the world, as people start developing this zeitgeist for the 21st century, this new constitutional movement, broadly speaking, a lot of people have got fairly similar ideas. And I'm going to add a few of my own thoughts to what we did in the Humanity Project and what they did in Yale. So I've got, you know, I'm throwing in a few of my little ideas myself. But I, I think it's going to be pretty much along those lines over the next 10, 20 years as these constitutions start to develop. So I've gone through this many times, but I'll just say it again, just to remind ourselves, right? What's the core idea? The, there's two core ideas. One of them is sortition, which is selection by chance. Why is that a good idea? Because it removes ego, it removes self-selection. It removes people going, I'm great, I want to stand for election. And we know from the research, and we've talked about this, people like that are not that great. The people who are most great are the people who aren't interested in power and they're selected by chance. Secondly, you get genuine representation. So you don't get the rich and powerful saying, well, you know, you need a certain amount of money to run a campaign, so we're going to give you money. And by the way, you've got to do what we say. It's like, no, 
There's no zero uh, interference by money and power because you're selected by chance. So it takes money out of it and that's a massive step forward. Again, it's not utopia, but it's a massive step forward. So you've got your people, you've got your assembly selected by sortition. And then, obviously, those people can get corrupted. So then you've got the principle of rotation, which we've had for 200 years, which is fairly straightforward, which is people don't sit for 20 years, they rotate. So those people, those ordinary citizens who serve a year, let's say, maybe two, maybe six months, maybe three months, depending upon what's going on, then they have stepped out and you get new people. So people aren't getting corrupted uh, and going, you know, this is my power, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, of course, there's a balance because if you do it too quick, people don't have the experience. That's something we're going to discuss. But in a word, you know, or in a phrase, what we're dealing with here is government without politicians. That's the headline slogan stroke demand for the 21st century. This is the apex of this series. What is this series about? This series is about taking control of the state, getting rid of politicians, replacing them with ordinary citizens selected by sortition on a rotation basis to make the key decisions which affect everyone in a country in some form of cooperation with similar assemblies in other countries. That's it. And what, what we're going to have, I would suggest, is a thousand people selected by sortition maybe 500, maybe a few more, but it's in that ballpark. And they're all gonna to come together every year in some big ceremony, you know, which is very like modern, a little bit camp, a little bit self-depreciating, you know, not the old empire bollocks, right? It's just gonna be a bit wacky. And it's gonna reflect the multiculturalness of our, our societies. It's going to, it's going to have all the sort of things that animate, you know, people under 30. It's going to be a genuine, hello, this is us, sort of like ritual and ceremony. These people are going to come together and they are going to form the new government. And at that stage, I'm going to stop. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's a cliffhanger. What happens next? So in part two, I'm going to go through the nuts and bolts. And yeah, this is the heart of what the new constitution is going to look like. Thanks.